important um, aspect here of uh, what we need to uh, do. Amen. And uh, Brother Thomas, before I forget, if you'd get to ready to share scripture next Thursday, okay? I better make sure I check that off. <laughs> Taken care of. Just one verse, Luke 21, verse 34, but uh, a very important uh, direction, instruction, even command. Let's read it together. And take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life, and so that day come upon you unawares. And so the take heed is what I want to emphasize uh, tonight, because it's easy to dismiss. You know, it's clear on the other side of the world. There are drastic things that are happening. We feel bad. We feel sorry. We're praying. But it's so easy to just brush it aside. No, take heed. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. God bless you. Take heed uh, is a biblical phrase. If you use your concordance on your device, uh, in the King James Version, you'll find it 29 times in the Old Testament and 26 times in the New Testament. So it's, it appears quite frequently, and the admonition uh, could be from uh, things as mundane as uh, you know, chopping wood, I guess. Take heed. Or... It can be as spiritual and as eternal as your soul. And uh, that's what the Lord is saying here. Take heed to yourselves. And notice he's pointing out it's your heart that can be overcharged. Not just your schedule, not just your health, not just the mundane things of life. It's your heart that can be affected, and that's why... We have to take heed. The New Living Translation makes it even more urgent. It says, watch out. And uh, I think, uh, what, however it's stated, uh, we need to take it to heart and understand what's there. Now, the things that the Lord listed, uh, surfeiting uh, is, is the uh, overdoing things, particularly in eating. But other translations render that word as self-indulgence. You know, just overdoing the uh, uh, selfishness and the uh, taking care of self. It also is translated as carousing, as wasteful living. And here's a word, dissipation. Dissipation, I always have to stop and look it up because when something dissipates, doesn't that mean it's kind of going away? It's kind of leaving slowly? So dissipation, however, means excessive. It means intemperate. So that dissipation is what we want to avoid as well because it can affect our heart and make us unaware. And that's the problem. We've got to make sure we stay on top of it. Now, drunkenness is something uh, we see, unfortunately, in our world uh, more than it should be. 
and uh, we throw our hands up and say, drunkenness, those days are over. We don't, we're not, we're not going to be in, in, involved in that. But what happens is senses become dulled. And your reaction time is slowed down. And uh, that can happen in the spiritual realm, a lack of self-control and wasteful spending. Just uh, the costs there are amazing, and, uh, and yet, who cares? You know, just we're going to have a good time. And, um, and so the Lord says, be careful of that. Don't let that become part of your experience. And then the cares of this life, uh, there's worries, there's anxieties, and um, uh, yeah, we, we do have to be wise. We do have to be diligent. We can't be just uh, happy-go-lucky and, and feeling like, uh, oh, well, it's all going to work out. Uh, no, the Lord's given us a measure of wisdom, and um, we need to be careful, but not to the point of distraction where we're constantly worried and, and uh, spending time wondering uh, how is this going to work out. The remedy, of course, is Matthew 6, 33, where the Lord uh, went through a discourse of saying, uh, you're more valuable than lilies, you're more valuable than the ravens, and so on. And so seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things shall be added unto you. All these things? Wow. That's an amazing uh, promise. And thank God he fulfills it. Amen. He provides for it, and I'm thankful that he ministers to us in that regard. So don't be unaware. Make sure you're following through on knowing the times and recognizing where I need to be in the spiritual realm. Jesus warned of impending judgment in the passage that we read from. Now, keep in mind, prophecy can have two fulfillments. There's a pre-fulfillment that would often happen in that time, in that era, and then it points ahead to something else. For example, Isaiah uh, saying, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and, um, and his wife became pregnant, and so on. But we know that prophecy uh, foretold the Messiah, and uh, thank God uh, it was fulfilled. Rome and Jerusalem were linked uh, together, uh, not only because of Pilate being the Roman governor and so on, but in uh, Jerusalem, 70 A.D. By the way, have you seen uh, the designation of a year being followed by C.E.? I, I saw that just the other day. Common Era, because they don't want the reference to Christianity. They wanted to be secular, not after the death of Jesus, no, they wanted to be in the common era. So, 70 CE, huh, that sounds kind of funny. The Roman general Titus led a campaign against Jerusalem and devastated it, conquered it, uh, just, just destroyed it. Um, uh, the historian Josephus, I think, said, that they ran out of trees, ran out of beams uh, to make crosses to crucify uh, the Jews. And uh, one estimate was there was 3,000 of them along uh, the road uh, out of Jerusalem. It was a horrible time. And, uh, and the Lord was prophesying about that and uh, letting them know what was coming. 
O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, he wept. Thou that killest the prophets, stone those that come to you. How oft I would have gathered you, he said, but they would not. And so judgment uh, came. And uh, as we see end time events continue to unfold and uh, just appear uh, again and again, we can't just have a casual curiosity uh, of, hmm, how is this going to work out? Uh, I wonder what's going to happen next. wonder what's going to take place. Who's going to step forward? Now, um, antichrists have been labeled and named and, and, uh, and so on. You know, uh, Henry Kissinger. Wow, that's a long time ago, wasn't it? And uh, who's the Russian that had the, uh, on his forehead? No, not Khrushchev. Gorbachev. Uh, you know, all of these different ones have been projected as possible antichrists. And, uh, and it's very possible the antichrist is alive right now, working his way up into uh, some government status and, um, and some, <laughs> some billionaire could uh, put him forward and, um, and promote him and uh, he move into the realm of being the peacemaker because that's the way he's going to start. He's going to declare peace. He's going to settle issues and conflicts. And that's what's going to allow him to be so accepted globally, worldwide, because he'll be able to make peace. But we know not going to last. And, um, and, and Israel is going to be in, uh, his target. So, take heed. Make sure your standing in the Lord is secure. Peter said, make your calling and election sure. Let there be an abundant entrance into the everlasting kingdom. Praise God. We're not just going to squeeze by. We're not just going to, uh, you know, barely uh, slip in through the pearly gates. No, God wants you to have an abundant entrance. Praise God where you know and, and be blessed in, a, in an exceptional way. Now, the Lord warned of global events. He said, many will come in the name of the Lord saying, I am Christ, and claiming uh, Messiah. Um, and that's going on right now. There are people who are making that claim, and uh, the media doesn't pick up on it all that much, so we don't hear of it, but uh, other places there are. The, in the Greek, uh, that phrase uh, simply says, I am. They're claiming, I am. That's what the Lord did, because that's who he is. Before Abraham was, I am. Praise God. And we know he was making the claim of the I am that I am from the burning bush, because that's who he is. Others will try to make that claim. And remember, there are lying signs and wonders that are ascribed to the man of sin, the mystery of iniquity. And uh, 2 Thessalonians 2 tells us about that. That's where love for the truth becomes very important because uh, deception will come. Believing a lie can happen. So it, it, it can't be just a casual folding of the arms and, and uh, contemplating and wondering, hmm, 
You know, well, we, we, we do that. But as far as our soul is concerned, take heed and know where we are uh, in the coming of the Lord. Because John warned, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they're of God. And he gave us a criteria for trying and, and recognizing. The Lord told us that there would be wars. There would be insurrections, nations against nations. And uh, it really can come down to ethnic groups against ethnic groups. And religion against religion is how uh, it's working out now. And race against race and so on. Uh, just uh, the, the, the horrible things that happened in Africa uh, just, what, 20 years ago, the Hutus and the Tutus, and it sounds kind of funny, but uh, the murder and the slaughter that went on between those two groups was horrible, absolutely horrible. And again, the media carried it to some degree, but didn't focus on it. And it's interesting how Christianity is accused of slaughter and warfare and so on, but uh, conveniently forgetting Lenin and Stalin and Hitler and the Khmer Rouge, the killers in Cambodia, uh, millions, millions being killed by those godless people. So that's not to justify what happened in Christianity. That was wrong. That was wrong. The things that are going on now in the name of Christianity that are wrong are bad and should be banned. God, help us to stand up for truth. Amen. And not just to shake our heads of, of uh, you know, how terrible it is. It is terrible. The abuses are terrible. God, help us to step forward with what is real. Earthquakes, famines, plagues, signs in the heavens. Um, I, I know that there's a, a, a group that wants to uh, point to stars and planets being aligned, uh, something along the lines of uh, the star of Bethlehem, you know, and how that was a, a sign, and uh, that there could be a sign now in, in those things. It could be. God could use that. And then, of course, there's the alien um, thing. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm not sure what to make of that. I don't, I don't spend a whole lot of time looking at it and wondering about it and so on, but there are those who major on it and feel like our government is withholding information. Well, if there are creatures that are able to travel in space beyond what we've been able to do, they're very intelligent. They're very capable. Their technology is far advanced above ours. I don't know. I don't know. But I know I want my soul to make it to heaven. Amen. Distress and perplexity of nations. Uh, immigration has really become a, a stressful situation on our economy, on our uh, political uh, situations, uh, on our society. Society is changing. And uh, traditions being uh, abandoned. Uh, oh, my goodness. Uh, just plain old science being tossed aside. Biology and so on. Economies being diminished. Uh, these, uh, these things are very real. And we're seeing them day after day. And that's why the Lord says, take heed. The sea and the waves roaring. Uh, it was quite a while ago. I, I looked it up. And 2004 was when the tsunami hit Southeast Asia. 
Remember that? Over 200,000 dead. I thought, my goodness, that many? By the way, in Sri Lanka, uh, the, the, the wave was coming. And um, uh, people were fleeing to higher ground. And uh, an older woman didn't have anybody to help her out of her house and, and make her way uh, to higher ground, to safety. So she prayed, Lord, I've been faithful to your house. I've been faithful to serve you. Now I need you to come to my house. The wave went around her. Her house remained standing. <laughs> Praise God. 2011, the earthquake in Japan, the strongest earthquake that Japan had experienced to that point, and the tsunami that came killed 20, over 20,000. Then, the nuclear power plant being damaged has potential to bring a huge impact in the environment that could even affect us. See, that's, that's what... Yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to present doom and gloom here. I'm just trying to help us to understand you really need to take heed and make sure of your soul and where we need to be. Now, Luke 21 and 24, um, Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. This started in Babylon, and it will continue on um, until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. Now, uh, the, the amazing thing here uh, about the church is that the Jews and the Gentiles are together. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation to the Jew first and also to the Greek or to the non-Jew. It's, it's, all, it's all included, praise God. And uh, in Ephesians 2, Paul wrote about the Gentiles being included. He said, we were, uh, you were without Christ, you were aliens, you were strangers, uh, you were without hope, you were without God, but now you're made nigh by the blood of his cross. And the wall of partition is being broken down. The enmity has been abolished and uses, even uses the word slain. The enmity is slain, and we are made one new man, and one body. Praise God. And we thank the Lord for that. Now, this prophecy, until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled, has more to do with Jerusalem being conquered and occupied and so on than it does have to do with the church. There is one that has to do with the church. Romans 11 and 25. Blindness, in part, has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. Paul used the illustration of an olive tree in, in, in Romans 11. He said the Gentile church is grafted in. It's a branch that's been attached. And, um, and you were a wild olive tree, and the Lord plucked you and put you on the branch, and you've been grafted in. You actually became part of that tree, that olive tree, uh, symbolic of Israel. And you are a partaker of the root. That's why we believe in one God. Because that's what the root believes in. That's why you're sanctified and walk in holiness. Because separation was a part of what Israel uh, inherited or what they stood for. And likewise, the church continues in his goodness in that faith. And we're not broken off. 
and verse 21 of Romans 11, if God spared not the natural branches, take heed, lest he also spare not thee. So that recognition of, uh, of understanding where we are and the fullness of the Gentiles is going to be a complete church. The last one is going to get filled with the Holy Ghost. The last one is going to go down in the waters of baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. And then the trumpet's going to sound. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. And we'll be gone. We'll be out of here. Thank God. Amen. That, that's why I don't spend a whole lot of time trying to divulge details uh, of, uh, in the prophetic realm. Um, in fact, I, I often wonder now, uh, how do those who make predictions and forecasts and so on, how do they backtrack when it doesn't quite work out the way that they, they thought? So I'm, I'm not going to make any of those predictions and, and so on, because I'm going to be gone anyway, praise God, and let them sort it out. Amen. You know, go ahead and give your, your funds to the kingdom and let the Antichrist have your debt. Praise God. And, uh, oh, well, that's probably not good doctrine there. The great tribulation, the great tribulation, when the seals are opened and the trumpets sound and the bowls are poured out, oh, my, that is going to be a horrible time. And uh, thank God, our blessed hope is we're going to be in the marriage supper of the Lamb uh, with the Lord. Praise God. But th the purpose here is to bring Israel to their knees, to bring Israel to the realization that Jesus is their Messiah. Amen. I think I told you about uh, calling a rabbi and uh, just inquiring, you know, is, is oneness. I was asking him about the term oneness. Is oneness a Hebrew term? Oh, yes, he said. We believe in one God. So I followed up with, if oneness is your term and the Messiah comes, when Messiah comes, what will that mean for the oneness? Oh, he said, when Messiah comes. See, they don't believe that Jesus is Messiah. They're still waiting for Messiah. When Messiah comes, the oneness will be displayed. I thought, all right, I'll go with that. Praise God. Because Jesus is God manifest in the flesh. Hallelujah. The Word made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. Oh, praise God. But Jeremiah 30 and 7 lets us know the time of Jacob's trouble. The day is great, so that none is like it. It is even the time of Jacob's, Jacob's trouble, Israel's trouble. But he shall be saved out of it. Daniel also wrote uh, about that time of trouble, Daniel 12 and 1. Now, there was a pre-fulfillment, then there's going to be the prophetic fulfillment, and we know that's uh, that's what's coming. Until they say, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Now, they, they, they said that when the Lord uh, entered into Jerusalem. Um, riding on that foal, uh, they put their coats and, and so on in front of him. They waved their palm branches. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna 
And they cried out. And then others said, no, 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 don't, don't let them. And the Lord said, the rocks would cry out if, uh, if they didn't. Well, they, they still have to come to that national recognition. Thank God that there are individuals who are uh, stepping into an Acts 238 experience and knowing the power of the Lord. But nationally, um, they don't. Nationally, there's probably hardly any uh, religion uh, at all. Now, um, now, you may have seen videos of the troops uh, singing the Shema. Uh, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Amen. And uh, thank God that they, uh, there are those who hold that. They don't recognize, however, that Jesus is that one. It's coming. And that's what the tribulation is about. And um, Luke uh, 13 and 35, uh, the Lord's lament over Jerusalem, Behold, your house is left unto you desolate, and verily I say unto you, you shall not see me until the time come when you shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. This will ultimately be fulfilled and when they claim Jesus as God in the tribulation. The church is gone, praise the Lord, but we're believing this is going to be fulfilled. That's why take heed to yourselves is so important in this time, in the era that we're living in, to make yourself ready. Now, the Lord uh, uttered that, uh, that phrase, take heed, uh, several times. Uh, and I'll just go through them real quick. Luke 8, 18, take heed how you hear, and make sure you hear. Don't let it just go right over the top or in one ear and out the other like we say. Take heed that you have light and not darkness. So Luke 11, 33 through 36. Take heed and beware of covetousness, for your life does not consist in the abundance of the things that you possess. That's not, that's not what it's about. Thank God, as we said, he blesses us so that we in turn can be a blessing to the kingdom. And thank God, uh, he delights in blessing his people. But the Lord said, take heed. In 1 Corinthians 10, Paul wrote of Israel in the wilderness. And uh, unfortunately, it was not a good report. He said they displeased the Lord. They murmured. They were idolaters. They were fornicators. Now, how were they idolaters? They were living in pleasure. That was, that was their idol. They just served uh, themselves and um, out to have a good time. That's all they focused on. They committed fornication. Remember Balaam being called by Barak? And uh, he said, I can only say what God says. And, of course, he goes through the whole how many altars, 21 altars that he ended up with and, and so on. And it seems like he stayed right with the plan. But he taught Barak how to corrupt the Israelites through fornication. And that's why Balaam is not a good name in Jude and in Revelation. And so we understand, okay, this is what happened. That's the problem. Now, in chapter 10, verse 12 of 1 Corinthians, there's the take heed. Wherefore, 
Let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Well, I'm, I'm not going to fall. I'm far from it. Ah, this verse applies to me if I have that attitude. Amen. I've got to make sure in seeing what is going on around us, I've got to make sure, amen, that I'm standing. Now, uh, Israel in the wilderness is also addressed in Hebrews chapter 3. Uh, the Lord grieved with Israel because they didn't enter his rest. And Hebrews 3 and 12, the take heed uh, aspect is uh, presented again. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. And here again, you know, I could throw up my hands and raise my eyebrows and um, uh, make my voice high and so on. What? I don't have an evil heart of unbelief. There's no way. No way that's going to happen. But remember the verse we started with. The Lord said, don't let your heart be overcharged. And then he named those three specific things. It's a heart issue. Circumstances could change so drastically that my heart can be tested beyond what, where, where I think I stand and I start drifting. It can happen. Jeremiah 17 and 9 applies to my heart. It applies to your heart. Your heart is deceptive. It's evil. Who can know it? And thank God the Lord does. And that's why we pray like David prayed, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew in me a right spirit. Praise God. And I thank God for a repented attitude. Not because I've been out uh, you know, making a mess of things, but because I want to be right with God. I take heed, and I recognize where I need to be. Amen. So I don't want to depart from the living God. I don't want my heart to, uh, to slip out of, uh, of where I, I want it to be, serving God uh, with everything I've got within me, with my, my total focus. Amen. Hebrews 4 continues that principle of presenting a rest. And uh, the writer says, hear his voice. Don't harden your heart. There's a rest for the people of God. Labor to enter into that rest. That seems to be a strange dichotomy. We labor to rest. Well, uh, it, it's, we're trying to enter in. And we don't want to fall after the same example of unbelief. We want to move into that rest and refreshing in the Holy Ghost. And that's what, that's what he's trying to present. It's not, not the law anymore where, you know, we keep feasts, we keep days, we keep all kinds of stuff. No, it's a rest and refreshing in the Holy Ghost. Praise God. And thank the Lord that there's that opportunity for us to understand how powerful and how great it is. Now, a word of prophecy, 2 Peter 1.19 uh, Peter is, is uh, recalling uh, where we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. We heard the voice on the mountain. We saw his glory and power. And oh, man, what an incredible experience that must have been. And then there's Moses and there's Elijah. 
That, that, that must have been overwhelming. It had to be incredible. And then the voice, this is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. God is saying I'm in him. Praise God. Second Peter 1.19, we have also a more sure word of prophecy. Whereunto you do well that you take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. So Peter is affirming here, we've not followed cunningly devised fables. We didn't make this stuff up. We didn't put our heads together and, oh, this is going to be a good sham. Yeah, we're really going to pull a, put it over on them. No, it wasn't cunningly devised fables. They were eyewitnesses. They saw and heard on that Mount of Transfiguration. So our responsibility, according to what Peter is writing here, take heed. Get that word, get that light in your heart. Amen. And make sure it's there. Trust that sure word. A more sure word. Praise God. And, um, and then share it. Okay, we don't have time to go uh, through each verse time, uh, one by one. Let's, let's take a look, however, at Romans um, 13. If you'd put the NLT up for us, please. Romans 13, 11, and we'll go on down through verse 14. These are real important instructions for us in our day because it serves to uh, lighten and highlight uh, the necessity to take heed. This is all the more urgent, Paul writes, for you know how late it is. Time is running out. Wake up, for our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here, so remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes and put on the shining armor of right living because we belong to the day. We must live decent lives for all to see. Hmm. That's what's important there. Don't participate in the darkness of wild parties and drunkenness or in sexual promiscuity and immoral living or in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ and don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. Very direct instruction. Very important for us to take heed and, um, and uh, to uh, put ourselves in those verses and say, okay, I'm going to follow that step by step. Ordinance by ordinance, word by word, I'm going to obey that. Praise God. And put our and apply ourselves to it. Again, not just a, well, that's nice. Hmm, yeah, that's good. And then, you know, it's gone. No, take heed. All right, here's the most important take heed. 1 Timothy 4.16. Paul's writing to a young pastor, a young preacher, Timothy, and instructing him, Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them. Keep going. Don't stop. 
For in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself, that's the most important for you, and them that hear thee. Hmm. Okay. What are they hearing? Are they hearing moaning about a hopeless situation? Are they hearing complaint and unbelief? Or are they hearing positive? God's in charge. God's going to bring us through. God's going to fulfill his word. God's going to bring it to pass. Praise God. And yeah, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't. You know that old saying, I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know who holds tomorrow. Praise God. And I'm going to keep going and trusting him. Praise the Lord. So, uh, I take heed so that I continue in the doctrine. I keep going. I don't let it go. I don't let it slip. I'm holding to the teachings of the Word of God because it's for my salvation. Amen. My love for the truth is going to affect my salvation. So, I've got to continue in it. And then it means I can have influence. I can have an impact. I can reach to others. Amen. Because there are others that need to hear you and your doctrine. Praise God. It's important that they see you walking in the truth. You know, that, that's, that was the problem in the hippie days. Um, uh, the younger generation got tired of the way things just continued on as they were with no, no change, no effect, a lot of hypocrisy. Um, just as long as you were a good member of the church, it didn't matter how you lived the rest of the week, just so that you put something in the offering and you were there on Sunday. They got tired of that. And it um, and, and wasn't just that. It was lots of other things, save the earth, all that kind of stuff. But here's what we have to understand now is the eternal consequences, the eternal realm, being eternity conscious. And again, not a doom and gloom, not a paranoia, but an understanding God can make a difference in everyone's life because he made a difference in my life. Praise God. So we teach salvation. We desire to see um, repentance and Baptism in the name of Jesus Christ and the infilling of the Holy Ghost and a life that is changed in, in, in detail and uh, a desire to please the Lord. We want to see them grounded and settled in the truth uh, and the foundation that will keep them. And uh, 2 Timothy 2 and 2, you've heard me refer to it again and again. And let me do it one more time because Paul is admonishing Timothy, the things you've heard of me, among many witnesses. In other words, he's saying, this is what I've held to, this is what I've taught, this is what I've lived, this is how uh, I have walked before you, and uh, everybody can testify to it. You've heard it from me. You teach it now. You teach it to faithful men, and let them be prepared to teach it to somebody else. Praise God. And it was the basics of God's word. You know, not some 
something out of Ezekiel, a lot of good things in Ezekiel, but you know what I mean, not, not just something obscure, not just something to display your spiritual knowledge or whatever. No, the, the foundation that will get them into that heavenly realm. Praise God. Uh, here's just something I, I thought of, that word passion. When people started putting it in their resumes and uh, started writing or speaking that I have a passion for, I had a hard time accepting that because of Hollywood, I guess, perverted that word. And, uh, but what they meant was, I have a motivation in this area. I have an interest in this area. This is what I want to do. I have a passion to teach. I have a passion to, you know, whatever. And um, praise God. I see where there has got to be a passion that we have for serving God. Amen. It's so easy to get lackadaisical, indifferent, and feeling like, yeah, well, we'll see. And, and just kind of float along. Uh, uh, Jacques Schwab and uh, Justin Lusk have a passion for the history of Alaska Yukon District. I really appreciate them uh, diving in and, and wanting to learn about Brother and Sister French and, and uh, the pastors that have been in our district. And, um, and how they want it recorded, how they want uh, videotape, and, and so on. He had a, a passion for it, and I'm sure we're going to benefit from it as well. God, give us a passion. Amen. And, and uh, for him, for his kingdom. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of people have passions for things that are not going to benefit the kingdom, are not going to serve them in the kingdom. And I, I suppose, you know, a passion for fishing, for hunting, for shooting, reloading, um, cooking, decorating, you know, we, we'll be fair here. Um, all of the stuff that can, uh, that can grab a hold of us. A passion for serving the Lord needs to be above all else. Amen. And with that, with that, a passion for souls. This is, this is where I, wanna, I want us to focus now. Them that hear thee. They need to hear you. They need your testimony. They need your teaching. They need your direction in the new birth experience. They're being told by denominations that are huge that miracles are past, that speaking in tongues is of the devil. They're being told all of those things. And what are they hearing from you? Say, that's, we've got to get a passion for that. Amen. And God wants us to relate to him with our whole heart. And we store his word uh, uh, in our heads uh, and in our hearts so that we can uh, share uh, in his purpose to help win the lost. Amen. And we're, we're not trying to win an argument. We're trying to win a soul. And uh, we, we can blow folks out of the water 
I mean, you can go uh, just about any pastor you want to knock on his door, you can blow him out of the water with the, uh, with the apostolic doctrine. And he doesn't know it. You do. But we're not trying to win an argument. We're trying to win a soul. Amen. And God help us to find those who are hungry and those who are searching. We're not going to be clinical and cold. We're going to be friendly and faithful. Praise God. And we're going to reach out because sinners need to hear you. They need a teacher. They need a preacher. Romans 10, 14, very important questions. How then shall they call on him in whom they've not believed? How shall they believe in him of whom they've not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Amen. Now, Paul wasn't just relegating that to him and Apollos and, and uh, so on. No, he knew the work of Aquila and Priscilla. He knew what good soul winners they were. And the 35 that he mentions in Romans 16, he was understanding. They can share. Praise God. And uh, they, they, can, they can speak because those walking in the light need to share that light. Jesus condemned the blind leaders that were leaders of the blind. He said, they're going to fall in the ditch. We're not doing that. We've got light. We've got truth. Praise God. And we're going to move into that realm where those that hear you can also be saved. See, that, that's what Paul is saying, right? Take heed to yourself, to the doctrine, continue in them. That's going to be your salvation. And them that hear you. Hmm. Now, what if tonight an angel appeared to you and says, Arise, go toward the south, unto Gaza. What would you do? <laughs> Philip heard that, didn't he? He's in a citywide revival. Man, people are being baptized in Jesus Christ. The Holy Ghost is poured out. Peter and John came and laid hands on them. Miracles, deliverance, demons flying out, and the power of God being displayed. Much joy in the city, great joy in the city. And now he hears the angel say, go to Gaza. Well, he went. I don't know if he argued about it. I don't know if he tried to qualify it. I don't know if he just jumped up and put his sandals on and took off. But there he is. And now the spirit says, go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran. I don't know if he was hoping for some water to drink or something to eat or he's tired of walking. But it was a soul that he recognized God was making that connection. And as he drew near to the chariot, he heard the Ethiopian reading from the scroll of Isaiah. Now this Ethiopian was a special man. He was gifted in finance. He was the treasurer for the queen. You don't, you don't get that 
just by being able to add two plus two. It, it's you know, something specialized. Plus, if he was reading Greek or he was reading Hebrew, because that's what the scroll would be written in, pretty sharp guy. And so Philip asks him, you understand what you're reading? How can I except some man guide me? That's what he was waiting for. And here comes Philip. Praise God. That's taking heed. That's, that's recognizing the voice of God. Now, the angel, the spirit, uh, those are strong voices. And, and Philip was used to hearing, uh, hearing those voices. Praise God. And so he began at the same verse and preached Jesus. And all oh, the preaching was pretty complete. We don't know all that he said, but we know it was convicting enough that the Ethiopian stopped the chariot and said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me from being baptized? <laughs> Praise God. That teaching was directed to believing on Jesus Christ and being baptized in his name and being filled with his spirit. Praise God. Because that's what happened to the Ethiopian when he got back to his home. Amen. What happened to Philip? Well, he had traveled to Samaria. He had journeyed to Gaza. And now he's soaring in the spirit. <laughs> what was that like? <laughs> what, what? Oh, my. You know, just stop and try to imagine what, uh, what it would, you know, fairy tales, um, the, the, the different stories that we read, you know, the classic Christmas carol, he goes flying out the window. Um, you know, I'm mortal. Grab a hold of my robe. You know. So, but, but Philip, just the spirit just took him. Praise God. And he's at Azotus. And he journeys from there preaching from Azotus to Caesarea. And he stops at Caesarea because God is already working there. Cornelius, an angel, send for Peter, a preacher. Huh. How come the angel didn't tell him? Because the angels don't do that. You do that. Them that hear you. Oh, God, help us, help us, help us. In what we see happening in our world today, let there be an impetus. Let there be a driving force in us. Amen. I've got to witness. I've got to tell somebody. I've got to keep working in the harvest for souls. The Spirit will lead. The Spirit will anoint. And God will confirm his word with signs following. You can claim that. Praise God. And, uh, and the power of God is, is going to happen. The Lord is pleased with his workers, isn't he? With the work and with the workers. He used that parable to say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Praise God. That would be an awesome statement to hear. But we've got to work. And be workers in the harvest.
Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh the harvest. Lift up your eyes. Look on the fields. Harvest is there. Amen. And then the Spirit is going to rapture the church out of here and into his presence forever. That's what we got to take heed for. To be ready. Stand with me, please. Praise God. Praise God. I'd like for us all to come. We uh, thank you, worship team, for being willing to play and everything. But we don't. We're not going to use music right now. We're just going to pray. Take heed. Amen. Take heed. I, I want that to be burning in me. Take heed. Praise God. And I want that burning to, to move me um, so that, that others hear me. Not, not because it's me. Oh, You've got to listen to me. No, because I know what Acts 2.38 means. People read it. Uh, a, a, a prominent uh, author pastor down in San Antonio, um, had it in his book, Acts 2.38. Wow, haven't seen that in print before. I turn the page, turn the page, there it is again. Acts 2.38. How many people read that book? Didn't know. Didn't know what it means. Repent and be baptized every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Probably, what, Brother Bartlett, hundreds of thousands of people read Lakato's book and saw it twice in there, but didn't know. They need to hear you. Let's pray. Oh, Jesus.